thank you, Jesus. Okay, you guys ready to rock? We're going there tonight. We were talking this morning, and something in me got a little provoked, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me get, let go of it. And I was like, "What am I? What am I talking about? What am I talking about, God? This is my this is my regular problem every week." I, I, look, I, I could write down a whole bunch of messages. I got a whole bunch of messages, but it's actually not about what I can do in my own strength. It's about what God wants to speak. Otherwise, it's just some religious teaching. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about defending your spiritual environment. Defending your spiritual environment. If you're new here, welcome to the Sci-Fi Channel. (laughs) Defending your spiritual environment. Oh, this is about to get awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting excited. God made man, Genesis chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. The more and more messages I do, the more and more I'm in Genesis. It's kind of trippy. Sorry, not chapter 3. It's chapter 2. I didn't look this up. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God's making man. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Note that word, subdue. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay? And then, one second... I hadn't planned to say this part, but let's just go there. God makes mankind. Adam is formed by the fingers of God out of dust. Adam opens his eyes, and there is the giant face of God looking into Adam's face, who's just opened his eyes for the first time. Can you imagine the booming voice of God? It says that his voice is like the voice of many waters. It's like Niagara Falls where Iguazu falls in Brazil, just booming waters coming out of his mouth. Be blessed, Adam. Can you imagine that? Adam's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm new to this place. When's orientation? God's like, be blessed. Have dominion. Subdue the earth. Multiply. That's God like, that's what God breathes into Adam. The very first thing, Adam opens his eyes and there's God's just straight out of the gate. Just, okay. Now that's how Adam was prior to sinning. Say, I'm going to get free today. Say, I'm about to start thinking differently. And I'm about to walk differently. So Adam gives up the, 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 the trophy of authority to the devil. Jesus buys the trophy back and gives it back to man. And then we have defeated Christians. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> okay. The problem is, is that... When Jesus died, 
He stripped the devil of his authority that the devil had stripped from Adam and Eve. And then, and then when Jesus rose again, he gave that authority back to man. The problem is, is that the same serpent whispering in the garden, deceiving Adam and Eve, or Eve, is the same serpent that's whispering to you today. And actually, Christians walk around broken and defeated, not understanding how it's supposed to look. Because what Jesus died for was original design. Jesus died for original relationship to be restored. God to man, friend, not enemy anymore. But also that man would regain the dominion and the authority over the earth and subdue it. But most Christians, if you talk to them, they are subdued and it's the devil's fault. Oh, the devil really beat me up this week. I've been really feeling hell kicking on me. Who's felt that before? I felt that before. Come on, let's be honest. Who felt that before? Be real. It's every person in this room, myself included. So you guys ready to actually get the keys to break through on this stuff? Good, me too. We need to get this. We need to get this. Where am I here? Now, if you actually look in Psalms 91, some of you can turn there if you want, David opens up. David had an amazing relationship with God in that David's relationship with God prior to Jesus coming and restoring that level of relationship was very similar to the relationship that you and I have today. Because you actually see fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in David's life before anyone even talked about Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's amazing. But you see David, and in Psalms 91, this is what he says. Yea, though I walk... Though, he goes, oh, that was King James blowing out there for a second. Yay. Yay, though I walk through the valley. He said, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, let's look, let's look at that for a second. Let's look at that. Hmm? Sorry, Psalms 23. I got all mixed up there. Let's look at that for a second because here's the thing. You're going to have problems in your life. The valley of the shadow of death was maybe somewhere like, is it Death Valley up in California? There's a pl- you guys heard of Death Valley in California? Some of you have, some of, I, I don't know. I'm the newbie here. You guys are supposed to know this stuff. There's this place called Death Valley where apparently a whole, it got its name for a reason. A whole bunch of people died. Okay? So here's the thing. You can walk into situations where everything is overshadowing you. You can't see the light of day. You can see dead skeletons all around you. It feels hopeless. It feels like your fate is sealed. Hello? You can walk into situations where you actually start feeling unseen pressure putting something on you. you don't need, you've got no reason to feel down, but you start feeling down. Hello? Am I talking to somebody now? You start feeling spiritual pressure pressing and pushing on your emotions, you start feeling sad, you start feeling depressed, you start feeling like quitting, you start feeling like it's all too hard, you start feeling like, oh, 
oh, I just feel like I'm a, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. Hello? Because you are walking into a situation where an environment is trying to dictate the way your emotions feel and deceive you to forget that you've been given dominion and authority and that you are to subdue your environment. Hello? And the problem is, is that we don't know. We all talk about identity in the body of Christ. We talk about the Father's heart. But a lot of the time, it's real easy to get... You've got to remember, Adam and Eve were meeting with God the Father every day before sin ever existed on earth. And they got deceived. And they got deceived because, they, because Eve, she got it first, and then Adam got deceived as well, which means they were both in the same place. If Adam hadn't have been standing right and actually watching out for his wife... It wouldn't have happened to Eve, or it wouldn't have happened to Adam. But they positioned themselves to be open to be deceived. And the problem is, is the first thing that's going to roll in against you is apathy. And apathy puts you into a lackadaisic, I'm tired, um, it's all too hard, or a sleepy mode. And your sharp... Uh, acute senses get dulled and you stop seeing the details that you used to see. You stop paying attention to when the enemy's whispering sounding like a friend. Does this make sense? And you start to feel an oppression coming against you and you're under almost like a spell because your emotions are all kicking into place and you're starting to feel like, you know what, I think I'm done. Or I'm just real heavy. I just, I, I just don't feel like praying right now. Who's ever felt that before? I just, you know, I know how to pray. But I just don't feel like praying right now because I just don't feel it. And I don't feel like reading my Bible. And I don't feel like hanging out with my Christian buddies right now. Because I feel this heaviness. And I just feel like doing something else. And you see something slipped in over the top of you. You have to understand that you have been given all dominion and all authority in the earth. If every person in this room recognized that, all of hell would take off out of this territory. Really understood what that looks like. Jesus comes walking out of the desert after being tempted for three da- 40 days, sorry. Those three times the devil turned up, remember? Hey, cast yourself off the building. Just turn rocks into bread and, hey, bow down and worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms. Remember those things? Jesus comes out of that and he goes, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to destroy the works of hell. I'm going to open prison doors. I'm going to break chains off people. You see, the thing is, you try and say that in today's society, in the church, oh, shush, you just got that youthful Christian zeal. You're proud. You're overzealous. You're one of those overzealous Christians. Now, maybe... Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you've gone to sleep. Because the devil understands that if he can get, and I'm not talking to people that are backslidden. I'm talking to people that have had just something, an assignment that's come against them, and they're in the valley of the shadow of death, and they haven't recognized where they are. And something slipped over the top of them, and now their emotions are being talked to, and their emotions are now talking to their will, trying to dictate them their direction. Does this make sense? God the Father is still looking at every person in this room saying, be blessed. Those emotions are going to tell you that you're not blessed. 
oh, the other person got blessed, and I'm going to now be jealous of them, which is going to get me even more, in a bigger mess with God. <laughs> the other person walking around with authority, and I feel like I'm the loser in the room, and now I'm going to be offended at them because they walk around like they've got authority. Matter of fact, I'm going to despise that authority thing because I haven't figured out how to do it yet, so I'm going to call it the devil. And what happens is our emotions get all messed up in, in, in here. And now we're in the perfect place for the devil to be our master and commander rather than us being his. And you get this, guys. Because you have been put, I don't care how bad you feel right now. What I care is who you are. And who you are is a child of the king. And a child of the king has all dominion, authority, and power to subdue hell and populate heaven. But how can you do that if you're a slave to the devil in your mind, even though your tongue confesses Jesus? Oh, I'll let them go to church, but I'm going to strip them of their power because they're going to have these cool mega churches called clubs where I'll let them be entertained but never changed. Come on. That's why we talk a little bit of a different message here. I'm not against megachurch. I think they're great as long as they activate people and not entertain them. The second you start entertaining people, you've become a temple of religion. The second it happens. I said to Jeff today, I don't, I don't care. I don't care how big this church ever gets. I don't care how big other churches get. We need to get big. Otherwise, you want the Buddhist monasteries and, 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 and the mosques and, oh yeah, the nightclubs and every other devil institution out there. Do you want them getting big and us getting small, or do you want us to have dominion and authority? What does that look like to you? One of the, one of the commands God gave Adam was to multiply, remember? Not to congregate and comfort each other while you die off in your old age. Oh, I'm serious. You don't need to go to too many churches in this territory. There's certain churches where it's like, oh, cool, they had a move 30 years ago. Now they're all burying each other, and they don't have any sons. Does this make sense? America needs Jesus, you guys, but they don't need religion. They need this. They need sons and daughters who've met the face of God and actually know who they are and that are going after this. I understand that my message is probably upsetting a few people in this room. Good. I'm going to provoke you out of your religion. Because here's the thing. While it's easy for you to be upset at me, why are you being so easy on the devil who torments you as soon as you leave this place? Don't shoot the messenger. Shoot the guy that's beating you up. Right? Christians walk around torment. Of course he's going to contend for your mind. The scriptures tell us, be vigilant. Your devil, the adversary, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom will listen to his voice. Because that's how, that's how the devil gets you, which then will cause him to be able to devour you. The only power that you'll ever give the devil is the voice of his that you listen to. That's okay, guys? Good. I got half the room happy and half the room's like... Okay. <laughs> oh, this is exactly where I want you to be. That's great. Where am I here? I want to go to two or three different places. Okay, so, so, so here's the thing. You are not doing anything wrong for the enemy to be attacking you in the measure that I'm talking about right now. I'm not talking about as a result of sin. I'm talking about you just minding your business and walking about your regular life, doing your thing, reading your Bible, you know, praying, and all of a sudden, without even recognizing it, you don't even realize until a week later, you're like, dang, why have I been so messed up this last week? 
it just happens. You just all of a sudden wake up. It's like, my mind feels clouded. I feel oppressed. I feel, or you normally don't pick up that it's the devil immediately. And I'm speaking from my own experience. You just feel, man, I feel real just depressed for some crazy reason. I'm not even a depressed person. I'm a happy person. What's wrong with me? Or I feel really angry or feel just offended at everyone or I feel really sad. Just feel, ugh, I just feel like I want to have a whole big pity party. You just all of a sudden wake up and it's like, dang, I'm here. And that's the point where you actually need to wake up to what's going on. Because you, have, you know yourself enough to know that's not you. And can I say this? Some of you have actually lived under this for so long you believe that it is you. But actually that God has not given you a spirit of fear. But he's given you a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. And that should look like something. That should look like you being happier. We know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, I just feel like giving up. I feel so weak. Well, where's your joy? Because God's given us all the spiritual medication we need to get out of any bind. Amen? I mean, good. My hope is that at the end of this message, which hopefully won't be too much longer, is you're going to walk out the other side actually ready to be victorious. Ready to be a champion and and quitting on being a, a victim. Okay? Okay. Glad you're happy. Hmm. Jesus dealt with these things. But a whole bunch of other people did too. Okay, David dealt with it. He talked about being in a pit. What did he do when he was in a pit? He didn't cry, God, I'm in a pit, I'm in a pit, I'm in a pit. God, I'm in a pit. Help me, God. No, he just said, God, get me out of here, God. I know this is not where I'm supposed to be. Right? He started crying out to God. There's a few things that are going to cause you to look differently, but firstly, we actually have to realize that our, excuse me, that our minds need to shift. We have to realize that actually we need to be alert and we actually need to be awake. That's why the scriptures in several instances say, awaken those that slumber. If you're sleepy, you're up for grabs. Okay? Here, here's, here take this as a mental note. If you lose the desire to pray, if you don't have a desire to pray to make it today, you actually need to start forcing yourself to do it. If you don't have a desire to read the Bible, you actually need to start doing it. Okay? You know that you can get addicted to fast food? Hello, that's not even a newsflash. I don't even need a, science, a scientist here to back me up and tell you that it's a fact. We know that's a fact. But you know what, when you, I mean, I remember when I was single, it's like I was working like 18 hours a day and coming home, and I'd just like stop by a local fast food joint and grab fast food on the way home. Sit and like do some stuff, watch TV maybe for a bit and do some work and then go to bed, wake up and do it again the next day. Problem is, is that turned into a lifestyle. To, to the point where I didn't even notice it, it was just like went on for like two, three years, start getting a little padded on the side. And you start actually having a desire for those burgers and those fries and that soda. And you start thinking about, okay, I better add a, a Sunday to this and ice cream or cake, right? And you start having that. And it gets to the point when you think of a salad, you actually get repulsed. And that's exactly where the devil wants Christians with prayer and reading the Bible. He wants you fed on everything else to the point that when you start thinking about prayer, hanging out with other Christian people that are on fire and that aren't just going to live the way that you are, hanging out with people that are going to pray with you and hanging out and going and reading your Bible and actually talking to God, he wants to get you away from that. Because if he can get you away from that, he's going to be your counselor instead of Holy Spirit. 
He's going to be the one that leads you and guides you into his truth. Okay? Okay, so let's talk about a couple of things for a second here. Where are we? Come with me, please. Come with me, please, to the book of Exodus. We're going to pray for you in just a bit, bro. Exodus chapter 17. The funny thing about what I'm talking about here is that it doesn't just hit you when things are going bad. It can hit you when things are going good. It's not like, oh, you know, everything's just gone really bad and my life's upside down and I've got a reason. Sometimes there is actually no actual reason. And even when you've got a reason, guys, you need to cast this stuff off because God can't work with your fear and unbelief. Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to start from verse 1. Then all of the congregation, which means all of the, all the people, the children of Israel, set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, okay, according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim, uh, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said, why do you contend with me and why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you've brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock of thirst? Okay, stop right there. Here's a really good way to let the devil start having a voice is when you actually start complaining against the people that God's put in your life and when you start complaining against God's lack of provision in your mind. The second you start to believe that God's not doing things for you, you are a prime contender for the enemy to move in. The second you let one seed, that's why the Bible says, take every thought that comes through your mind into captivity, through your filter, and check it to make sure it's not a, a rogue seed of the enemy trying to Trojan horse its way into your mind. Does this make sense? Because the second we start complaining, the second we start having a negative opinion and we start expressing that, it's only a matter before, of time before it starts coming out of our mouth. The minute it comes out of your mouth, the devil knows that he has you in agreement with him. Amen? Okay. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. But bear in mind, we're talking about the same kind of rod that, that David was talking about in, in Psalms 23. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Verse 6, Behold, I will stand before you on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so on the side of the elders of Israel, and he called the place, the name of the place, Massa and Meribah, um, because the contention of the children of Israel, and they had tempted the Lord, Lord saying, is the Lord among us, is the Lord among us or not? Is he with us or not? The second you start getting to that point, one of the worst situations, guys, to be in is actually when you're in a, a season where you're right before a breakthrough and you actually allow. Because extended waiting can do this, guys. Defeat or massive things going wrong or greatness going on in your life. Or that the devil's just going to get you where you're just like, hey, everything's going great right now and before you know it, stuff's hit in. So basically what that means is any point in your life. Okay, can we just simplify that? At any point in your life, this can go down. Okay, because, because the thing is, is that the devil wants you to believe that you have safe places. Right? 
He wants you to believe that everything can just go great all the time. Because when he gets you to believe that, and look, God wants to bless you, but that never means that there's not going to be a contention for the blessing. But the second the devil can get you to believe that, he can put, that you should put your guard down and take ease, that's the time where he's got you sleeping. And when he's got you sleeping, he can catch you by surprise. Okay? Now, watch this. Verse 8. Now, Amalek came, came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, same area. And Moses said to Joshua, Joshua was Moses' right-hand guy, Choose us some men and go out and fight Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now, the same rod that caused provision is now the same rod that's going to oversee a battle. We love to pray to God for provision, right? But we forget to pray for him for breakthrough. God, I need you to help me pay my rent this month. God, I need you to help get this debt out of my life. But then when the enemy comes in, we forget that the rod's for other things too. We need to, we need to actually be vigilant and remember who we are. Who are we? We are blessed. We are those that have dominion. We are those that are going to multiply and we will subdue. Amen? He's talking like an extremist. Yeah, I am. Because to a person in apathy, it does sound extreme. But to a person that understands the covenant of the Father, actually, this is very normal. Okay. Verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses said and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur, like your boy Ben-Hur, went up the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. That's speaking of prevailing in battle. So if you could imagine, Moses is up on like a cliff of, of a hill and he's looking down into a, a valley, a field. And there's the armies of Amalek on one side and there's the armies of Israel on the other and they're fighting each other. And Moses, who has a covenant with God, is standing and he's lifting his hands up to heaven. And as he does the children of Israel start prevailing against the invading enemies. Okay? Verse 12, But Moses' hands became heavy so that they took a stone and put them under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated uh, Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And Moses and the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial for the book and recount it and he, in the hearing of Joshua that I, uh, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heavens. Now, I think I missed a verse. Sorry, verse 11. Just go back to verse 11. Verse 11, which was the whole crux of why I wanted to read this. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed and when he let his hands down that Amalek prevailed. Vigilant. Not vigilant. Vigilant, not vigilant. All you need to do is stand up and be counted and the devil loses his power. The second you pay, you pay attention and that you're alert, he's going to lose his power against your life. See, this for me personally, there have been times where I've just felt this immense depression come over me. I, like my wife will tell you, my friends will tell you, I am a very positive person. I'm not a depressive person. I'm not an emo kid. I'm high energy, let's do this, let's take the mountain kind of guy. But once in a while, I'll just feel this cloud come over me, and I'm like, dang, I just feel down in the dumps. For no reason. 
and I don't know, it's just because I'm dumb, but just sometimes it's just like, dude, what's going on? And sometimes it takes me a couple of days to figure out what's going on. But the second I figure it out, something starts coming out my mouth like this. Devil, I take authority over you, you foul spirit. You spirit of heaviness, I curse you in the name of Jesus. God has blessed me. He's ordained me. He's given me authority and he's given me dominion. And with that dominion, I curse you and cast you out. And you know what happens? I immediately start to feel better. I immediately start to feel happy. And you start to learn. If, if, if you guys have never done this before, please start taking notes because it's going to change your life. Because some of you believe that you have a depression disposition, but actually what you do is you actually have a lack of understanding of what your authority actually is. And you just need to start speaking to the mountain. Well, we know the scripture, grace, grace, and the mountain will be cast in the sea. What about your mountain of depression? What about your mountain of sadness? What about your mountain of anger? What about your mountain of hopelessness? What about your mountain of feeling abandoned? What about your mountain of feeling like everything's about to fall apart and all these terrible things, all these fear? What about those? Because you've been given the authority of the name of Jesus and he is inside of you and he comes out your mouth and every devil has to bow. Come on, guys. We're not here to, to put you to sleep and babysit you. We're actually here to set you on fire. We're here to actually get you equipped. And we're here to actually train you so you can take your swords and you can put your armor on instead of playing pom-poms. You're not cheerleaders. You're actually soldiers. And, and women, ladies, I'm not trying to make it sound like a masculine thing, but actually we do need to defend our salvation. We need to defend the freedom that's been given to us. That doesn't mean that we are fully 100% all the time engaged with Satan because that's not what I'm trying to do. All I'm saying is we need to brush the rat out of the room so we can get on with worshiping Jesus and seeing people saved. But don't think for a second that you're not going to take ground without messengers of the devil trying to come and mess with you. You're not going to move forward without having to deal with offenses. Come on, let's be real. We try to play the perfect Christian in perfect Orange County. Oh, I never get offended. <laughs> I've never had an offense with the pastor. <laughs> I never get depressed. <laughs> I never feel terrible for myself and just go and eat three tubs of ice cream. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. We're so we've been trained to present a perfect picture in this territory, haven't we? We've been trained to tell everyone that everything's just great. And it's not. Be real. Get something out of your mouth that causes the devil. Look, the devil is terrified with you. But if he can just get you to believe that he's more powerful than you and that you believe him, you are controllable. Your threat has been eliminated. I want to terrify hell. Right? Come on. If you're not terrifying hell, then you're pleasing it. Okay, with that, just had to raise my voice. Just a few people were like, oh, they woke up. You're in the middle of a dream, weren't you? Yeah. Like, oh, man. <laughs> Come on. Come on, sometimes we actually need to snap out of it because it's like almost like a spell to try to hit you. Serious, I'm serious. It hits me. I'm not, I'm not saying you're a terrible person. I'm saying it hits all of us in this room. Let's be honest. And let's actually wake up from our sleep and deal with it. It's fine. Look, just look, the fact that the devil's trying to mess with you. The Bible says that you should not neglect such the great salvation that's on the inside of you. If you don't think there's Satanists in this territory, then hello, there is. Yeah. 
and they literally worship the devil, and they do terrible things, okay? I'm sorry to wake you up if you've been in perfect Orange County world. This is real, okay? We deal with this stuff. I've had all kinds of weird stuff like that happen. I could tell you a whole bunch of stories just like that. It's real. Just the fact that you have the light of Jesus on the inside of you, you are out there, guys, there's, there's not just like Starbucks and, and, and South Coast Plaza. There is a spiritual world contending for the souls of all your friends and family. And you walk out these doors and the, that realm can see light glowing on the inside of you. I've had people walk up to me and say, there is a sphere of light all around you. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's my friend. His name's Holy Ghost. You see, you have to understand, I, I'm sorry if, if you've grown up in a conservative church, but welcome. Well, <laughs> do you really think that all of a sudden one day when you die and you arrive in heaven, it'll be okay? Oh yeah, that's right, we're spirit beings, that's right. No, welcome to it. We live in a spiritual realm right now. Let's go to the book of Ephesians if you want to. Our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers of darkness, principalities, and rulers of this dark world. Come on, guys. Therefore, take on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes and strategies of the devil. You have a light, a hope on the inside of you that terrifies the enemy, and it should. But if he for a second can think that he can convince your mind to be lulled into apathy and he can control the weapon of hope that's on the inside of you, don't you think he will? Come on. We need to wake and be alert. Okay, awesome. Come with me, please. Where am I? I know that I've just crossed a lot of boundaries right now. That's good. Where are we going? Let's go to the book of, I had, I had a marker somewhere. Let's go to the book of James, actually. Da, 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 da. Okay, James chapter 1, verse 2. My brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall, fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And if, and if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives liberally to all without reproach. Okay? God is actually looking to develop maturity inside of you. But he's also trying to tell us here not to be so surprised when various attacks and assignments and trials come against your life. We've been taught, unfortunately, that once you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be great, and that's wrong. It's not true. It's not scriptural. Terrible things are going to happen. You are going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are going to have uh, atmospheres and environments try to press on you and cause your emotions to yield to what you believe is that going easy on your emotions. Oh, I just need to take a month off church because I just need to, I just feel so bad right now. And see, like, where did that thought come from, honestly? We have to ask ourselves, where did that thought come from? What has put that thought in our minds where we think that we should be better off by backing away from everyone else that's on fire, going for it in God, and we need to go and isolate ourselves where the devil can take us apart? Where did that seed come from? Because it didn't come from your intelligence, not if you read your Bible. Come on, guys. Let's be honest. The thing is, is that if you're around people that are on fire, they're going to protect you. If you notice with, with Moses, even though Moses was a great man of God, he had two men around him. He had Aaron and he had her. 
And when he got weak in moments where it felt like he didn't have the strength, he had friends to help lift his arms up to God, and that caused the battle to go forward. Come on. Let's look at another example. You can go to Daniel, the book of Daniel. Actually, I don't think we have time to turn there. The book of Daniel, you will see that Daniel, the great prophet who served four kings, four kings, that's an advisor to four kings. He was in a deep, he was fasting, and he, I think he was fasting, I think he was like 21 days in, or he might have even gone to the 24th day, and an angel shows up to him. He needed answers from God. Whoever here has needed answers from God, that's a perfect time for the enemy to attack you when you don't have the answer yet. Because the enemy's going to come in when it's, when it's gone past where you believe it should have gone past. When it's gone longer than you think the comfort level should have gone, and that's when the enemy's going to come in and say, has God abandoned you? Why is everyone else's needs getting met in the church, but you, you, you're just hurting? How come you're not married and everyone else is getting married? I know you ask God. He was a good father, right? We sing good, good father in church. Like every worship song ever. Every worship team ever. You know, and we sing stuff like that and we think stuff like that and then next minute we're thinking a thought that actually doesn't belong to us. We need to start recognizing what's our thought and what's not our thought. Is this okay? And actually casting it down. We actually need to stop walking as victims. The devil's trained you to be a house cat when you're a lion. Come on, it's a, it's a very well-known analogy. We need, to, we need to get this. Where it's like a thought comes into your mind, I should go and do this. Oh, personally, I'll actually, I know when the devil's talking to me because I talk right back to him. And anyone that's around me probably thinks I'm a little nutty, but that's fine. I'd rather, I'd rather look a little nutty than be an idiot and go and do what the devil says. I've literally had, on regular occasions, I'll just hear this little, dee -dee 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 -dee. and he'll come and speak in the first person. Oh, I should go and do -da 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 -da. And you think it's you. And, but you know that's not right. You, there's part of you that's appealing. Otherwise, he wouldn't be stupid enough to pitch it. It's appealing to your comfort. It's appealing to your senses. It's appealing to your rejection. It's appealing to your self-pity. It's appealing to, oh, I've just taken too many beatings. I need to back off. And I'll literally verbalize with my mouth, shut up, devil. You've got no comeback to that. The Bible says that if you resist the devil, he must flee from you. It doesn't say if you resist the devil, he may flee from you. It says if you resist the devil, he must flee from you. I've been given authority and power and dominion. I've been designed and crafted by the Father to subdue the environment around my life. That doesn't look like me negotiating with the devil. That looks like me judging him. You don't judge people, you judge the devil. Does this make sense? I know this is freaking some of you out, but actually you need to read your Bible and you'd say that I'm telling the truth. Okay? So we see Daniel, and Daniel, he's praying, and he's like, God, I need this answer. It's really important. I'm not eating as a result of this. And then 21 days later, after he starts praying, an angel shows up, and he said, hey, man, I was coming, but there was a strong, there was, it's called a principality. A print, the, the, the angel described him as the prince of Persia. Now, what we have to understand is these territorial atmospheres. You can go into L.A. and you'll feel a hostile, aggressive, violent atmosphere. You come down here, you'll feel this sensual, lull, complacent, materialistic thing, right? 
You have to understand that when you go to different territories, there's different controlling atmospheres. I've walked into certain nations and certain cities where it's like, oh man, there's just massive poverty or there's strongholds of hardcore religion. Okay, everyone's steeped in works or everyone's worshipping little idols on the wall. You actually have to be aware. And so the, the angel says, I was coming to you from the minute you asked. This is really important for everyone to understand. He said, from the minute you started asking God, I was dispatched to come to you. He said, but the principality down here actually resisted me coming through and I had to call Michael to come and help me. I had to call the other angels to come and help me. Okay, that actually is really good for every Christian to understand because we believe the second we ask God that that instant God's supposed to answer us. True? And actually, sometimes it's not the way we believe because what the devil will do is he's going to try and get you to believe absolutes. And the second you believe a self-imposed absolute, God should have done this by then, I should have been married by this date, I should have money by this time, you've now actually put God in a very difficult situation. And you've tried to design God. And you can't do that. You actually need to trust them. And that's not an easy thing to do. But that's when you actually need to. The Bible says, above all else, Guard your heart, for from it flow all the issues of your life. If you don't guard this from the enemy, you're open to suggestion. You're open to offense. You're open to all kinds of issues coming through. So we see Daniel, who actually stood and stayed and prayed. He didn't let depression come over him. He didn't let anything else. He just set his face and he said, I'm going to pray until God comes. And that's what we need to do. Okay? But I really want to draw our attention here, what I just read in James. Do not think it's strange when you fall into various trials. We've been taught, unfortunately, by popular Christian culture over the last 20, 30 years, that there's this perfect, I mean, please excuse me for saying this, but I have to say it like this. There's this perfect little TBN bubble. You guys get what I'm saying? Like perfect Christian like TV network, purple hair, all that stuff. <laughs> We've been taught that there's this perfect world of everything going great, and because I'm in faith, everything's going to work out. Listen, man. That doesn't work for the story of Jesus, does it? Why do you think it would work for you? Right? Jesus was tempted. Jesus, was, Jesus had the enemy. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had to pray in such a way where there was something in him that felt so oppressed and he had to fight against it that he sweat drops of blood so that he'd eventually go to the cross. He had to contend for an atmosphere to be free. And can I just say this? Sometimes we actually have to contend and sometimes it looks like praying in tongues until we feel a shift in the atmosphere. Sometimes it actually looks like a command coming out of our mouth saying, hey, get out of this, get out of this room, get out of this house. Sometimes for me, it looks like getting in a car and praying up in tongues, driving up and down the street. Sometimes it looks like me playing worship music until the atmosphere shifts. Because can I tell you, I am not okay with the devil riding along around my life. I'm not okay with the devil sitting on my shoulder trying to oppress me. How about you? Shouldn't be okay. You should contend over this stuff. Look, I know this is definitely not Mary had a little lamb Christian church today, but actually if you listen to what I'm saying, you're going to get some freedom. We need freedom in Jesus' name. Okay, I had a couple of...